Chef Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 67 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living Bantha Poodoo out of it. I'm Trev, keeper of a timeline pages over at utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media and I've read over a thousand Star Wars books and comics. And joining me today is the man who truly is the Paulson to my anchor. I don't quite get that reference, but I am. You will. You will. <laughs> I am Jose, and I have not spent my entire life consuming and collecting as many Star Wars things as my co-host over here has, but that is why I just tend to disrupt whatever insightful and random Star Wars factoid Trev is talking about, um, and I'll go on random tangents and everything, but that's enough about me and enough about that's Trev. Yeah, that is, I mean, that is, I'm pretty good at doing that. But you just did that to me. So, anyways, we <laughs> guys, we have a we have a guest with us today. So I don't want to dilly dally on any of this intro stuff. So Trev, why don't you tell us a little bit about who we have with us today, and then we'll let her uh, introduce herself. <laughs> okay, guys. So for all your listeners, we've got we I say we me has got into a <laughs> habit now of inviting people onto our show who I love and want to nerd about. And get to shine a, shine a spotlight on some of the lesser known, you know, more depths of time Star Wars stuff. So with us today, and I'm thrilled about this, is the author Patricia A. Jackson, who wrote a ton of stuff for her Adventure <laughs> Journal and West End Games back in the days. Names that you're going to have heard me talk about on previous episodes um, more than once. And one name in particular you all would have heard very recently and we'll, we'll get to that. So, Patricia, why don't you tell us your Star Wars origin story? When did you first get into Star Wars? When did you first become a fan, etc.? Um, I was eight years old, and I was standing in line to see this movie with my mom, and I had no idea because my mom was taking me, you know, to movies. And I fell in love. And I went <laughs> home, and that week I wrote my first novel. Um, wow. It was about a little girl who was going to save the galaxy with her magical horses and the <laughs> different color of the rainbow. So they each had a different special ability because I'm a horseback rider too. Uh-huh. And my thing is who needs the forest when you have a horse? And I still believe that. I still believe that. Um, but you must yeah. have loved Rise of Skywalker. And I said to myself as a little kid, um, one day I'm going to play in this backyard and it's going to matter. And in 1993, I got that chance. I met Pete Schweighofer at a convention and I played Star Wars for the first time, had a blast and wrote a story about what happened. And Pete was like, hey, parts of this stuff have been published. 
send me something else. And that's when I wrote my first official Star Wars story out of the cradle about Drake yes. Paulson and yes. Anter and the world of Socorro. So yeah, that's kind of where it happened for me. So that's where the intro came from, Jose. <laughs> now I have something else to read. Thank you for giving more homework. So after, so, so that was doing adventure this. journal number two. Now we interviewed Eric Troutman on the show last year, I think, cool. and he, he gave us a load of West End background. Um, that whole West End Games adventure journal that gave so many people a, a springboard. Um, before we talk about the rest of the the Star Wars stuff, did did writing for that help launch a career for you? Did you did it open doors or was it just I doing this because I love Star Wars? Um, I teach creative writing also. And I'm always saying to my students, if you want to own your craft, you have to hone your craft. And this yeah. was an opportunity for me to play in a universe I understood and to grow as a writer. I didn't get into writers groups until most recently at the last four or five years. Oh. I don't know how I got as good as I did. And when I look back at some of those stories, not that I'm cringing at them. I'm like, ooh, you could have tweaked this <laughs> and ooh, you could have tweaked that a little bit. Um, but I had no other beta readers. I had no social groups. I was on an island by myself. And I think for being there, I think those stories are really rich, but my rule of thumb always was when the Death Star blew up, someone was burying their spouse of 50 years. That's mm -hmm. a story. Wow. Somebody was having a baby mm -hmm. and what was going to happen to that baby? And that's, that's where I was. And I mean, there's so much Star Wars stuff and I'm so unaware of it that I almost want to call myself a casual fan. When you asked me about the favorite films, I go back to the classic three. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm thinking Star Wars, I'm not over there with Rebels and Clones mm -hmm. or even Bad Batch. That cool, that stuff's cool. I'm over here in my own playground with Sokoa yeah. Pirates and, you know, these crazy Swiss people. Um, so, yeah, that's I, just, I was over here doing my own thing. Um, in fact, there was a hubbub at Lucasfilm that I don't want to get too much into because I'm not sure how much I can say. But it was a legal problem. Everything. You can say everything. It's a safe place. <laughs> there was a legal problem. And this edict came down from Lucasfilm that the little people, like myself and Charlene Newcomb, if we didn't have a bestseller pedigree, we were not allowed to write about the canon characters, the Force, the Jedi, nothing. I didn't care. Take your toys and go home. I'm only around Socorro with black pirates having a really good time. There was my arrogance. Dark Jedi came to mind and his name was Adalric Brandle. And he was like, yeah, you're going to write my story. And I'm like, dude, you're against the rules. Yeah, I'm not about you. And my inner eight year old conspired against me and was like, yeah, we're going to tell this guy's story. And that became the final exit. And yes. I wrote the story, sent it off to Pete Schweighofer at West End. And Pete calls me and he's like, hey, Patty, got your story. I'm like, oh, I'm glad, Pete. <laughs> you're not supposed to write about this right yeah i know because <laughs> it's a good story patty thank you pete that's great give me a call so like a week later he calls me back he's like hey patty lucasfilm wants to publish your story <gasps> that's fantastic pete that's great and they have a message for you i thought oh here it comes <laughs> order 66 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And my order 66 was, hey, Patty, you can write about anything you want to write about wow. in the Star Wars universe. And fellas, you know what I did? I went right back to the Black Pirates on Socorro. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me let me put some context there for people who don't know this. So you've written, by my count, I think, nine published short stories dealing with two very distinct storylines. So yeah. you had your Socorro Pirates and you did some serious world building with Socorro and even a lot of people might know Karen Travis and the work she did on Mandoa as a language. You were doing that a decade before with Old Corellian. Wow. Yes. You were, you were doing articles and throwing little bits in there. Min Min Vogolf Nopichuk. Oh, there we go. And that means... So I mean you no bad blood, so ah. I mean you no harm. It's all good. I like it. But the Drake the Drake Polson storyline, I think, was two short stories and the old Corellian article, which had you know half a short story to begin with. The Black Hands of Soroko source book. Now Socorro. Now, when I first reached out to you on Twitter, I was in the middle I'm a timeline nerd, so I was in the middle of ripping that source book apart and the amount of fiction in there set five years before uh, your first short story, you know, Paulson's dad's death just after the funeral, things after, you know, there was 20 years of content in that book about the world within Star Wars that you had built yourself. So when when you're talking about, you know, building your own sandbox within a sandbox, <laughs> you, you were a master at it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one was the Brandle mm -hmm. storyline. So final exit. This is one of the stories I reread re yesterday in preparation for this. I've always been fascinated by these stories in particular, which is why I sent Jose mm -hmm. uh, Ul Earl Koenig Koenig to read. Koenig. But the final exit now. This features High Inquisitor Tremaine, which people will have heard us talk about on this show. Mm -hmm. Now, well, Wikipedia specifies that. Tremaine's first appearance is in a story called Dark Vendetta, which was by Eric Troutman in Galaxy Magazine 96. But this story, Final Exit, was two years before that. Did you invent Tremaine? Did Eric invent Tremaine? Was this story the first one to feature him? I'm confused by the chronology now. Um, I want to say that he was mine first. <laughs> okay. Um, And that some characters... I mean, there were so many people that were using Adalric Brandle that were using Tremaine and some other characters. And I just thought it was just like super, super cool. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Tremaine was mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how, how did it feel to, uh, I mean, I don't know whether you've seen the Obi-Wan Kenobi series or are aware of what's going on that much in canon, but the Inquisitors are a massive deal in Star Wars these days, you know? And you I guys am played a big so hand in disgusted that. with how they treat Imperials. I serve the Empire. I don't care how anyone feels about that. Rebels, <laughs> all rebel scum. He's <laughs> a star. And the only good Jedi is a dead one. I just have to say that. Yes. Uh, when I played, when I played Star Wars, oh, you're speaking Jose's language. Yes. I never served the Alliance. I always served the Empire. This is and fantastic. And <laughs> was such a disappointment with the way the Inquisitors were treated because they were so flat they were so mm -hmm. obvious there was no torture well, i'm like disney 
please give me some Imperials to play with and stop making them cardboard characters. Well, they're, because... they're very mustache twirling villains, right? So it's just oh like, it's what you expect out of, you know, some some like 1950s Hanna-Barbera cartoon or something. Um, and that was to me like the genius be behind something like Andor, where like the Imperials are like all the like minutiae that ha they'd have to deal with. And even the torture scenes are like, it's so nuanced and subtle, but so evil at the same time that yes. it was amazing and that's why i'm like okay now this is that's the villain that i want to see but that's like the kind of complexity behind the dark side that i yes has to exist so i you're so you're like speaking my language 100 percent. i'm <laughs> loving this so this is great so let's talk let's introduce our listeners a bit more to alda is that aldaric or aldaric aldaric randall so he is a jedi turned Fallen Jedi, fallen Jedi. An, an inquisitor at some point, but his his primary motivation, excuse the pun, is that he's an actor. Yes, yeah. and, and let's go. Let's go back to that because it's not that he's a Jedi. He is an actor. He's a tragic yes. actor. Yes. So he does Shakespeare, and he was using the dark side to pull feelings. Oh, out of people. During his performances, who is much more sinister yes. than whipping a lightsaber at somebody or force choking <laughs> them, he was influencing minds while he was on stage, and he loved it. He was the ultimate narcissist. But yes. you can only play a tragic driven. character for so long before you really become that. Yeah, and that's what happened to him. So me and Jose were talking before we recorded about the story that I sent him, and you that theatrical actor driven drama it's reflected in the way you structure the stories yes you know they're written like this so it's very it's very meta we're seeing that character but we're also seeing the character in a story that is structured around his life in that manner as well yeah. and that's why these have always stuck with me for you know 20 30 years however yeah. long it's been now yeah well i mean that's like what so trev like this morning, he morning for me, I guess earlier <laughs> in the evening for him. But he was like, so what did you think? And I'm like, you know, at first it took me a second to like understand who these characters were because I have no background. He didn't give me any idea about no. what I was about to read. So I'm like, okay, so, okay, so there's this fable and so she goes to this planet. Okay, she's getting trained. But then once I kind of understood the dynamics, I'm like, wait, this is very different. And like... And when they bringing in the whole idea, yeah, of, of theater and acting, I'm like, have I ever seen an actor or theater in general at all in Star Wars? I'm like, I don't think I've seen anything like this. And a Jedi actor was just like amazing. Like the idea of it was just super interesting. And then, but then the overall thing that I told Trev was like, I mean, to me, this the way that it's written, it's very, it is very Shakespearean. It has a very literary. Like a lot more, a lot more literary in a way than a lot of the other things that I've read, and I found it fascinating. And even just the way that it ends, like the tragedy of it all. I mean, it is a tragedy within in this short story itself. And I'm like, this is like an amazing ending. <laughs> like, the, I, I'm like, I kind of want to know more what happens after, but I don't because I'm like, this is just like this. I this is a perfect ending for this short story. And I do love Emanations of Darkness, but it was written in a time where I'd been away from Star Wars for a while. And mm. I thought, oh, let's, let's pull it together. But I am such a better writer than I was then that I have this idea for a story called The Lotus Paradox, where fable and 
Jotlib are brought together and oh it's <laughs> so good <laughs> so it invents a new lightsaber technique um it shows the connection between them oh it's just it's so good uh, do you is this one of those stories that sooner or later you're just going to write for yourself because it needs to be on a page <laughs> It's written. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And for you timeline people, um, it puts them squarely at the Battle of Endor. Okay, because oh. I think Emanations of Darkness is very new Republic, isn't it? That's just before. I run eight, from timelines. I, I just, I write a story in, in a moment and, and then I have to rely on the Star Wars friends. Well, oh, where is that Patty? And I'm yeah. like, leave me. Yeah. That's what Pablo's for. Stop, stop throwing your watch to me. I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one thing that struck me when me and Jose were talking, obviously is him feeling that that story had such a great ending. But there was more story to tell. So what what drew you back to those characters? Something that's just really incomplete. Mm -hmm. um, Fable and Jotlieb are incomplete unless they're together. And I need to somehow pull them together. And I see them together. I, I see children um, on Socorro being raised in that culture. Um, only because it's a safe place. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, one of those children makes an appearance in a really, really, really bad novel that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I was still learning how to write novels and it's on Wattpad. It's called Brave Misdeeds. And I would say 70% of it has to do with actual stories that took place in Star Wars, the MMO. With my guild against rebel guilds and all these different stories. And it's interesting because the main character is led by a force wraith. Um, this spirit that will not die. That is a grandchild of a Dalric Brandle. Oh. <laughs> oh, we are getting a good... Well, I mean, speaking of MMO too, I mean, something that I was also feeling while reading this is that I was getting a lot of um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order kind of uh, vibes from the story itself so i mean just kind of like connecting it to just the kinds of video games that we're getting right now it's just i mean having inquisitors in there and just having someone who's kind of like running from the empire but just finding them around and stuff it was just some, there was something very i mean i don't know my head was kind of envisioning that too because i mean it's kind of like around around the same time i guess and i suck <laughs> Fallen Order. Oh. Is there too many? I, I again, I'm the casual gamer. Yeah, and, you know, to run, to jump, and have to swing a lightsaber. That just seems like a lot to me, and my fingers just don't work that way. Yeah. I need a Star Wars Mass Effect. <laughs> I need a nice. character walking around that you go do a little bit of battle, and then you come yeah. back to the station, and it's a scavenger hunt because you yeah. got to go talk to this character, that character. You're romancing this character, yeah. or you're romancing that character. Yeah. And that's what I am desperately, desperately waiting for. Well, yeah, that was, I mean, that was the one thing with Fallen Order. I wish it was a little bit more open world, too. Like, I mean, like a Witcher type of, like, yes! gameplay. Yes! Yeah. Right? Like, just like, I just want, yeah, like, I love open world games just because it's like, I don't get to play as much video games as I used to when I was younger. Um, so, and when I do, I kind of just want to relax. So if I can just be on my horse and just <laughs> roam around... <laughs> 
I have two beautiful Star horses. Star Wars Animal Crossing. I have two beautiful horses, but I will go horseback riding on Witcher 3 in a minute. Yeah. Just horseback riding. Yeah. Just to go. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want my roach in, in the Star Wars universe. Like that would be very ha- I'd be very happy with that. <laughs> yes. Um, so I do have to mention the fact that, you know, we we're talking about Fable. How big was that to did you know about her name being on the cave in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show? I did not know. <laughs> someone sent That me must a have been link. insane. Someone sent me a Twitter link and I'm a teacher and I'm involved in this horrible book man in our school district right now. So my life is consumed. Oh. My mother is not doing well. I'm trying to write an epic fantasy. And so my life is the maelstrom right now. Mm. And someone sent this Twitter link to me and I'm watching this and I'm trying to be a good girl. And I'm like, why did you send this to me? And why do I care? But I'm <laughs> going to be a good girl. I'm going to watch. And about two minutes in, her name came up. And I thought, excuse me? <laughs> what? And then they go and they're talking. I'm like, that's my girl. You're talking about my girl. What? What? <laughs> so I'm telling all my friends who are Star Wars fans, I'm like, Fable? Remember Fable? Her name's on the... Patty, no. Seriously? Yes. (laughs) So that means that somebody at the mouse read about Fable. I mean, it's it's all Pablo Hidalgo, surely. It's all him. (laughs) But but he could have picked from a million names. Yeah. You know? So exciting, though. I think Fable was there. Quinlan Voss was there. And who was... uh, There was another one... It was one of Eric's characters when we interviewed him. Yeah. Colin Shelway. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're two very West End names. And great stories. Yes. Great stories. And I'm like, please don't touch Fable without calling. Please call me. Please call me. I will come <laughs> to the room. You will talk about Fable. Don't mess with my girl. <laughs> because the thing that bothers me is the way she was pictured, she's pictured as white. Yeah. You know, and she does have auburn hair, but she is a black woman. Yeah. And I'm like, please don't make her wait. Mm. Please represent her the way she's supposed to be. And I just feel as a black person, you have to fight so hard to exist and to breathe. Um, and when I was writing Star Wars at that time, my father was almost lynched when he was in Alabama as a young man. And my father taught me as I was being raised in enemy territory that don't call attention to yourself because it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I was afraid to say that Drake Paulson was black. I was afraid to say that the people on Socorro were black. So I just said dark skinned. Um, They black (laughs) 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 y'all. Amazing. And of, of all the, of all the places for that to be fine and not blink an eyelid at, surely it should be Star Wars. Right. Someone came at me and said, I don't know why you're pushing that too hard. There's no Africa in Star Wars. Oh, but it's still, I mean, representation still matters. And especially because yeah. it's still a story being told here where we do have Africa, where we do have black people and Hispanics and Asian. Like, so we all want to see ourselves in that universe as well. And I remember one of the stories, like after um, uh, Rogue One came out, there was a story of this, um, I think it was a Mexican like Star Wars fan or some, um, and he went to see it with his father, and the father had never really been into Star Wars, but he's like, he talks like me, like if I'm not mistaken, that was the actor's father. 
Was that with uh, Diego Luna's dad? You so, yes. Okay, so I remember, I, I'm like, you know, it's been a couple of years now, but I remember hearing that, and, and like, they were just remember so that. touched to be able to, like, hear them having the same accent as they do. And just, like, that little bit, I'm like, you know, I'm Hispanic, too, and, like, of course, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Luke Skywalker and this, and, like, I try to see myself in all these characters, but then there was definitely a little bit of something when you sort of see that, I'm like, you know, I don't have that thick of an accent, I think, when I speak English, but uh, just hearing that, I'm like, yeah, there's you see yourself there just a little bit more, and it helps a lot. Even though it's a different universe, like that representation still matters a lot. So oh, it matters in ways I can't even imagine. Um, the story that's coming out in the from a certain point of view anthology is an imperial, and he's black. And I had a kid in class who was sort of naughty. He wouldn't come to school, so I made him <laughs> feel that if he would come to school, I'd let him read some of my Star Wars stories. Ooh. So he's reading this particular story and the other kids were reading something and his head popped up and he's looking dead at me. And I'm like, "Uh oh, here we go. He found the part where the character is black. So he comes over to me. If I didn't mention he's a black kid. So he comes over to my desk and he says, miss, is this character really black? And I said, yes, Elijah, he is. He's like, miss, I'm going to hug you. That's why it matters. Wow. And I will pay for every kid to be able to see themselves because I was programmed. I was indoctrinated in 1977 that said heroes had to come in one default, mm -hmm. blonde hair, blue eyes, and white skin. And it was a, a, a malady that stayed with me until I was 50 years old. And I wrote my first novel, Forging a Nightmare, and a black character came to me and she was like, this is the way it's going to be, young lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this story written. And I'm like, Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know, and the protagonist at the time was white. And um, I was working through the story, working through the story, and it just wasn't working together. And I'm like, the protagonist needs to be black. So that would be Forging a Nightmare, the novel you're talking yep. about, right? Okay. Just yep. so that people... Yeah, I'm seeing the poster. Just wanted for our audio people here to know what... And we'll, we'll get into so, that a little bit because I want to know more. <laughs> cool. But I'm um, so, so important. And But part of me is still afraid of pushing white folks away and i'm like i'm not trying to push you away i just want you to share the stage share the playground with me not as the ensemble cast but as the central cast mm -hmm. i want to be a part of that i don't want to be the token i don't want to be that little kid that when i play lord of the rings i have to be someone that i can't be in real life um and and that's difficult for some people to want to share the stage it's unfortunate I mean, from a from an in Star Wars in universe point of view, the going back to the seventies, there was always the thing that the Empire was xenophobic and racist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were Nazi Germany or whatever. I think what Disney canon have done now is just gone. Well, no, the Empire's human, and they've made steps to reflect human diversity within the Empire, but they still hate aliens. <laughs> <laughs> They're just humans. You know, and they're still George, fascists. And I think George Lucas painted from the palette that he had. You yes. know, um, I was called to task for not having autistic characters in my stories. I don't know any autistic people. Mm. So, I mean, students have come across, but not enough to make me feel comfortable to write about yeah. autistic people. You know, one of my characters recently was bisexual, and I was still was kind of funny about that. Do, do you have the right to... Mm. to go there you know so i think george lucas painted from the palette that he had and no one should blame him for that 
at that time. And the palettes become more inclusive over time, but there's still a little bit of gatekeeping that goes on. And um, yeah, it's a little... Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on, even within Star Wars. And we've spoke about this a lot on the show about people have kind of missed the message of Star Wars sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but how how can those fans be angry and antsy? Did... Have you seen the movies? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I find it's what you're saying about just being able to kind of yeah paint with the within the palette that you have or you know this. It also that takes me to um you know for I um for in The Walking Dead when he first started writing that whole comic book series, yeah, most of his characters were white and male, <laughs> and what and but you know he's been writing this for you know or he was writing that for over 15 years and then obviously the TV show started and some of the characters then that in the comic book were male, then now they became female or they, or they they were given different um, races or whatever. And they were asking him about it. And he's like, well, you know, I was a 20 something year old white kid. So I wrote what I knew. And over the years, and this is one of those things that you learn at like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that over the years you get exposed and, and you meet other people. He, since then he, he was married, he had children. So it's like my writing and how, how I write people, has changed and i try to you know fix some of those things in the tv show because yeah like i i didn't have all the you know it wasn't reflective of america and i'm trying to tell a story about people within this like country and it, and we're not all just white so then that's why to him it was important that just gender like switching and whatever in the tv show because he wanted it to be more representative of what we do have in this country so yeah, I mean, it's a, it just kind of like made me think of that too, as you were explaining that. But I, th- I think we can all agree that all Star Wars villains still need an English accent. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We all need to sound like Peter yes. Cushing. I mean, you just sound um, a little bit more evil when you do, I guess, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to jump into, uh, I want to quickly talk about Adventure Journal 12, because... You had two stories in that book. So you had Idle Intentions, which was the last Drake Paulson story, but you also had Betrayal by Night. So mm-hmm. you co- co-wrote that with Charlene Newcomb. Uh, brief, again, brief exposition. So Charlene Newcomb's probably written as many short stories as you in her own little sandpit. She Alex had Garros Four and Alex Winger, who you know went from being Rebellion to Jedi... And this is where you co-wrote a story with your two storylines completely clashing. Was that, were you you asked to write it or did you guys just go, we want to write this and how was that? And I want to know everything. I love Charlene. She's like my bestest friend. We're still in a writing group together. So if you ever want to let me know, (laughs) I'll (laughs) set her up with you. Um, I liked Alex Winger. But Alex Winger was a Girl Scout and she needed to be broken. And I decided <laughs> she had to be broken. And there's no better way than a really sexy Oh, girl. she is Jedi. broken in that, in that story. So we were, we were working together. And it was really funny because one of the big wigs who had a best-selling pedigree basically <laughs> said to um, us, why would you do twice the work for half the money? And for us, it wasn't about the money. It was working together. It was putting our characters together and we had a great time. And after we had done the story, the person with the best-selling pedigree, didn't he do a short story with another best-selling author? 
And I'm like, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. But now. really, <laughs> seriously, um, it was never about the money. It was just about the chance to work together, to write together, for Alex to be corrupted. <laughs> um, so, and I still tease um, Charlene to this day because she's a rebel. She's a rebel scum. Mm. And she always <laughs> tease her about that. She always sends me Darth Vader or Dark Jedi things, which is great. And so, yeah, that was just a really super fun story. We actually wrote another story and we had Luke Skywalker in that because she was really about Alex having a Luke Skywalker encounter. Yeah. And we sort of got shut down on that one. And I don't remember why. Um, I, I think the okay. characters do cross at some point officially. I'm sure that. Yeah. So then we just like moved over to this playground and yeah, she got a little dirt. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's great as well. And it's really organic for both storylines. And again, that's one of the things that I love about this fictional universe is when those separate stories do collide you know it's one thing going and i don't know seeing uh ahsoka in mandalorian it's that but on a very micro level mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and that's the stuff yeah. that's always gone made me like i don't know love it mm -hmm. uh but then obviously west end games collapsed and then we've spoke about emanations of darkness which didn't get published although it is out there people you can find it <laughs> get it now because i'm about to make it non-canon yeah yeah it's it's i mean it's it's always non-canon because it didn't get published even though it was i think this is this is my stance on it even though it was contracted and licensed because it didn't actually hit the page it's just come out afterwards it's but then everything's legends so it could still definitely happen and that so that's fable and jaleeb again mm -hmm. i've got to ask the question did our direct kill fable at the end of that story no it literally ends with her feeling it on her throat no that's good to know <laughs> he she reminds him too much of jaleeb and too much of what could have been for him. He literally calls her daughter at the yes. end of the story. Oh, wow. But there's some real um, similarities with the Rise of Skywalker in this. The whole force healing and the dyad in the force between, mm -hmm. you know, Ben and Ray and... And Jim someone and said, Fable. Patty, you did that before it ever came yes, out. You, I actually like, did. Oh, my gosh. You're right. <laughs> yeah. He, he saved her life and then even though he was trying to kill her at the time. <laughs> and then there's a whole force essence transfer. And then that, you know, basically she signed her life in blood to him. Yes. Wow. No, I mean, it, I, I the end it, is dark, man. It's really dark. I got a bit of a vibe of, of uh, Forza or Rise of Skywalker too, or was it in, in the, in the short story that I read, because when she was like sleeping or when she woke up and she had like a burnt in her like hand or something, and then it, it um, you wrote something about how she was using the force to try to like either heal her or just make it feel better. And I was like, oh wait, that is like that force ability is what kind of gets introduced in the sequel trilogy about yep. being able to heal yourself with the through the force. So I was like, and this is yeah, back in the nineties. So it all it all it's comes really from a decade of West End games. I've been saying that for years. Yeah, it's really tough when you're a little person and this is just you're just forgotten. Yeah. You know, oh, so new yeah i did that already yeah and also for me 
I'm just in the midst of the story. You're on the playground. You're building the story that you could go tell yeah. and share with the other inner eight-year-olds that love Star Wars. You know, and then you move on to the next thing. And it's fans that come in and say, no, Patty, you did this first. You did this really well. You did this better. And I'm like, you're waiting for the phone call. You're waiting for someone to say, yeah, we'd really like to give you a novel contract or something. <laughs> you know, because I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going right to Socorro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to Coruscant. I'm going to Socorro. There we go. Yes. <laughs> because someone has said, and I haven't been able to find it anywhere, that Lando Calrissian, someone has decided that Lando is from Socorro. Yeah, no, I think I think that's in one of the new reference books. That, again, that's got to be a Pablo thing. It has to be a Pablo thing. Um, but the phone call has rang, hasn't it, Paddy? The phone call has, the phone it did. has rang. It did. For a what wee moment. You- what can you tell us about how this happened, how it felt, what what it is that we're talking about, first of all? Um, over the summer last year, um, I have this wonderful agent. Her name is Sarah Megabo of KT Literary. And she's awesome. And she knows I'm a Star Wars nerd. And she sends me this email. I was in, um, I don't know, I was overseas somewhere. I forget where. I was on an island somewhere. <laughs> I, don't, I was at for a wedding. I don't remember much of it. Anyway, <laughs> a really good time. Um, but she sends me this email and she's like, um, yeah, would you be interested in sending me a pitch for a Star Wars story that would appear in this anthology? And I was staring at the email. I had to read it again. And then I had to read it one more time. <laughs> and then I was like, are you kidding me right now? Or is this is this like real? She's like, yeah, Patty, would you be interested in doing this? I can send it off. Your pitch has to be this many words. Okay, what are the other rules? <laughs> no, well, it, it has to be a character, a no-name character from Return of the Jedi. And you can pick whoever you want to as long as it's a no-name character. And you'll be writing a story about this person. Um, so send me a pitch. No hurries. Oh, I'm sitting in the hotel room and that got done within like 15 minutes. <laughs> that, and I lie. I lie. I was watching Return of the Jedi. So I it was 12. Find, I can. I don't know if I ever want to see Return of the Jedi again because that's how many times I watched it in so many days. Yeah, there could be trauma. But in any case, I found a character and I thought, I want to do this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. So I sent the pitch and it was accepted right away. And I was already thinking of this story in my head while I'm flying over. I'm typing the story. And they were like, okay, Patty, you're approved. You can write the story now. It's already written. (laughs) (laughs) Already written. Oops. (laughs) Wait. Um, So, yeah, it got approved. And I am so excited. It's an Imperial because I'm tired of Imperials being shown in a bad light. Um, (laughs) Turn rebels. They get everything and they cheat. Um, Yeah. That's all I really can say about it. He's Imperial. He's black. Yes, he has a close encounter with Luke Skywalker. And that's all I can say. Okay, so, uh, uh, but I have to ask, and please don't take this the wrong way. Did they know that you'd written Star Wars before? Because no, no, very few people have come back. Very few people have got that call. So was it more because of your more recent work? that got you the call i honestly don't know i was interviewed by a gentleman and i can't remember his name and i feel very bad about that i'd have to go to my author page to get his name and he did this fantastic article um interview about the old stories and whatnot i sent that to my agent 
And my agent sent that to Tom Huffler at Random House. And I was put on a list. I was put on, or I was told I was put on a list of forthcoming projects for Star Wars. And I was very excited about that, but I'm a fatalist. It's not going to happen. You know, it's just not, don't look for that. Don't look for that sun to rise. If it comes, it comes. So when her email came, I was so excited. (laughs) Um, And I was like, yes, you are officially getting back on the horse and let's go. And I was glad I had done those other Star Wars stories for the contest because I was back into it. And my agent said she had never had that much fun reading a short story um, because it is just go, 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 go. I just love it action i can't wait so me, me and jose were talking before and i kind of said i was trying to describe your entire you know your canon to him and i said you know you you've got the smuggler archetype and it felt like I, right i got my hand solo out of the way and then with the brandall stories you went nuts you went all out <laughs> that must be what this story has been you know because that's 20 years of pent-up Star Wars going, nope, you're, you're getting both barrels. I've never really played with the Imperial side, except in that really bad novel that I wrote. Mm. It's on Wattpad. And I'm going to leave it there because this is what it was like to write a first novel. Um, this was a chance for me to play with an Imperial that had a reason to be angry with the mm. Rebel Alliance. And to justify that anger. You know, I, I want to believe that there are some Imperials who believe this was really a good thing. Who just oh, there must be. There to be. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who just didn't see. And can you bring them along? Yes, you can help them to see, oh, yeah. that is a bad thing. We need to, yeah. I'm going to work from within to make things yeah. better. Um, now, um, go ahead. No, I was going to, so I'm wondering like, um, if you can say this or not, but in the previous two iterations of from a certain point of view, the audiobooks, they have, you know, different actors sometimes come in and voice the sh- uh, short stories. So like they had like, um, like uh, who, who voiced the Boba Fett was, um, Oh, John Hamm. John Hamm voiced Boba Fett in one of the short stories. If you could have your pick on any person, actor, whatever, to be the voice of this black Imperial <laughs> in your story, do you have someone in mind? Well, I love Idris Elba. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I love Idris. Yeah, I love Idris Elba. Um, yeah, there's just Idris no Elba. one else to do that. Unless it's going to be James Earl himself. I like that answer. I mean, yeah, we, I, you were saying, Tribe, yeah, he, he, needs to, he needs to be brought into Star Wars. Like, yeah, he could definitely be in there. <laughs> So if at least there's a way to bring him in, that I'd be happy with that. So we've gone through all your short stories. We've gone through the the future. What are your what are your favorite memories of writing? Because you, you, you know, we're talking like a six seven year period of writing these characters sporadically. You know, you weren't writing Star Wars full time. But what are your favorite memories of being allowed in? <laughs> Being able to play on my own playground. I loved Socorro and all the creatures that are there and the the, the booze, the Jahira berry, <laughs> the berries that were used for the Sokoan Rava, which was named after my cat. Great story. Um, it was Sokoan rum, but Lucasfilm, being child-friendly, family-friendly, said rum, that's too adult. And my cat was sitting next to me <laughs> when I got the news, and I thought, I'll just call it Sakon Rava. And 
it went <laughs> and it was just being creative and you just hit certain doors where Lucasfilm would say no to this or you need to change this. And I think that's the mistake some emerging writers make. They're like, no, it has to be this way. Mm-hmm. No, be like water and just shift, yeah. you know, come yeah. up with something new. Um, the Tiru wasps. I, I really want to bring the focus of the Bronwyn, the um, monks who wander the desert because they're Jedi. They don't carry lightsabers, but they are Jedi and you don't mess with them. And if they leave <laughs> the planet to come look for you, it's just a bad thing. Um, <laughs> and that's what I really want to focus on. I want to go back to those moments, but I just. Yeah, you had some whole ceremonies written in the in the source yes. book. But yes. Tons of, of good dead. stuff in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was my tribute to Brian Daly because I loved okay. his, oh, I loved his Han Solo novels. Yes. Just, I've read them like four or five times because he captured Solo in a way no one else has been able to do. And when he passed away, I was just gutted. And I thought, what a great tribute to him to put him on Socorro and to have this ceremony where he was one of the Black Belair. Um, and I love oh, the father, the mafia stuff. So that's where yeah. the player came from. Yeah. We got this beef with the hut. Um, oh, so much fun. Carl Ancher and the Black Dust Tavern. Oh. And we're talking a lot of work gone into, I don't, if you counted it, you're probably talking, I don't know, 2,000 words of fiction in a source book. It's small, right? It's loads of little vignettes and nothing that even constitutes a full short story. But the world building is insane. Oh, and <laughs> Kane Paulson's not dead. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we actually see him get shot? I'm pretty sure that's quite a gruesome shooting. I don't think we will. You did not leave us in any doubt at that time. He's not dead. No, no one's ever dead in Star Wars. <laughs> That's what I meant. Like at this point, well, everyone's funny can come back. because <laughs> at the end of the final exit, I killed this Jedi character with a thermal detonator. I'm thinking, I don't like you. Yep. Yep. you interrupted yep. my business, and you're never coming back. But I have never quite forgiven George Lucas for killing Jabba the Hutt because <laughs> I think Jabba was just such a wonderful villain. And I thought, okay, now you have to bring Jabba, you have to bring Adalric back. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, so don't kill off really cool people that could be useful, you know, later. I mean, it was cool because he looks different and he's really even more creepier than he was before. But that was just a lesson as a writer in learning. Just don't do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then you couldn't have written Uller or Connick. Exactly. Uh, I'm still never going to be able to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> I don't speak old Karelian. So tell us about your non-Star Wars end. Tell us what you've done, what people can look for, what you've got coming out apart from from a certain point of view, Return of a Jedi, which I can't wait to read this story now. Um, well, Forge, Forging a Nightmare is my debut novel that came out um, about a year ago. And it's about an FBI agent who is tracking a serial killer who is attracted to people born with 12 fingers and toes. And these people are <laughs> Nephilim. They are descendants of angels and they have no idea. And our FBI agent discovers that he is one of them. And now the killer is coming for him. And in order to stop the bad guy, he has to sign up as one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. One of the horsemen has fallen (laughs) and he has to take that horseman's place. One of the horsemen is a lady. Um, It's Wormwood, Dr. Wormwood. In her alter ego on Earth, 
She's an infectious disease specialist mm-hmm. and her specialty is STDs. Um, <laughs> she's just this great character. And Michael. Oh my God, I would need to read this book. And Michael is the main character. He's the FBI agent and he has to tame a nightmare. And this nightmare, um, it's called forging a nightmare because certain souls in hell are taken because of their affinity for violence and they're tortured, tortured, tortured until they rise as these infernal war horses. Well, the horse that was intended for him wants nothing to do with him. She was a Marine that was killed in action. She was a lady sniper and she wants nothing to do with him. Um, So he's got to convince her to join him and to stop the bad guys from taking out innocent people. And it's hilarious. Um, And it takes you to hell. Like you have never seen before. Fans have asked me, can I get real estate down there? Because it just sounds so cool. <laughs> I'm like, if you have a nightmare, yeah, not a problem. Getting there is not a problem. Um, so I've been working on, well, that's done. And I'm also working on what I call my Black Tolkien fantasy, epic fantasy right now, where I have dark elves and they're just black and they don't live underground. And no one's going to make any excuses about that. That's, yeah. So there was is- a- um, there was that whole discourse about Lenny Henry and the the Rings of Power, and it's like big deal. Big just, deal. He was the coolest of them too. But um, also, it's a fantasy character. Yes, it doesn't matter. Literally, well, yeah. doesn't matter. It was that uh, the Puerto Rican uh, Ismael Cruz Cordova as well. There, there was a lot of like, why, what, is, why is he an elf? And I'm like, why can't we be elves too? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and he, oh. And they were the best characters. I'm sorry to say it. They're just the best. It was great. I mean, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. That's why I was like, when I saw him, I'm like, yes! <laughs> More Puerto Rican stuff there. I mean, it's one of, yeah, Benicio del Toro, too, when he was in The Last Jedi. I was just like, yeah, like, I mean, he's, I'm sort of related to him, too. So that was also really cool to see up. <laughs> yeah, he is a super cool actor. I saw him in Ray Donovan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was Ray Donovan. And I kept looking at him going, you're familiar you're familiar. <laughs> so I had to go to IMDb and look at Google. I'm like, oh, Ray Donovan, you're the boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought he was incredible. Yeah. So is this a, is this a fantasy epic? Is it a single novel? Is it going to be, you know, a 3,000 page trilogy? What, what can we expect? The publishing world is so strange. Yes. Um, and kind of cruel. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say this. It's going to be a standalone that could easily go into that you hope does really well (laughs) yes it could be a three book series but it's going to be a standalone that will end well but if people want to know more um a second book can definitely be made you have to be very careful how you write things these these days because sometimes you get a two book deal sometimes you get a three book deal um yeah and it's like playing roulette i read a whole twitter thread from an author recently obviously i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he was talking about how much of it is luck and he had a book it was finished and it went through every publisher and everyone turned down and he had a back catalog and nobody just wanted this one and it was like two years after it was written that the last publisher they went to their last chance before he went back to a day job it got picked up because they loved it so so much of publishing appears to be about Good luck and timing. Oh, more yeah. than more than skill. Yeah, I have a 
it's a book in the same universe as Forging a Nightmare, but it's different characters. And as I said, the more you write, the better you get. And I think the novel's even better, but unfortunately it got rejected by Angry Robot. And I'm hoping that someone else will want to pick it up because it's just, it's another great story about hell. In fact, the Library of Alexandria is in the capital of hell. You can visit. that's incredible you can absolutely visit you know and i just i just have so much fun with taking mythology and just breaking it one of my mom's friends told her she wasn't baptized correctly and she had water sprinkled on her she wasn't drowned beneath the pulpit and i'm like you're kidding me right now you want me to believe in ghosts but you're going to say that the ghosts are partial whether or not you were sprinkled with water or you were drowned in the water let me break but, your shit for you. I'm going to break your shit for you. And that's why I wrote Forging a Nightmare, I thought, because I'm going to break and be as irreverent as I possibly can. At one point, there's a scene where they're in a church and the nightmare is in her equine form and she's drinking out of the baptismal font um, and shaking the water. And the priest is asking her to stop. So she's soaking him as she's just splashing water on him. Um, yeah, because that's where I am right now. I'm like, really? <laughs> break something for you. Um but it's just this bringing up other mythologies into it. Like, for instance, there's an angel named Lokiel. Oh, yeah, it's Loki. <laughs> and it explains how he comes into the Christian pantheon in some way. Um, I was just having fun breaking stuff. It's what I do. I'm a Sith. Chaos is the life. I mean, anyone who isn't sold on that whole synopsis, I don't know what's wrong with them. Seriously. <laughs> No, and I know what I'm fast. doing now. It's like, it's like my Star Wars stories. It's just it's fast. Um, I don't want to linger too long on any one subject. It's like move, move. Fantastic. No, I'm definitely going to pick up Forging a Nightmare right after this. And uh, yeah, and I can't wait for the other book too. Because like, yeah, we want you to be able to get that other book, right? The second one. So we just got to buy it and make sure that this does good the book does well and that way you teeny people you know what to do <laughs> exactly that would be um, that would be so su- great <laughs> support the authors is what we're saying right so but we're just about hitting an hour now so we're, we're gonna have to wrap it up patty this has been amazing oh thank it's you been so, much, so fun. much for coming on um, thank you for taking me down memory lane this has been good for the well, soul there's lots of crazy stuff going on right now in my life. My mom's not doing well. Yeah. So this was just a really good moment. So thank you very much. No, no. Honestly, the pleasure's all mine. Listen, guys, and you need too. to buy... Oh, and home. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to speak for you. I didn't want to presume that the pleasure was yours. But obviously. <laughs> so listen, guys, you need to check out Forging a Nightmare. Have I got that right? Yep. Forging a Nightmare. It sounds batshit, and you know how much we like batshit on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the meantime, if for some reason you haven't yet, make sure to check out our Discord. We've got a very active community there, sharing their thoughts on whatever the latest episode of whatever show is on Disney+, Plus, reading along to the newest book releases, selling their books and collectibles, and sharing their artwork and fanfic. Most importantly, that is where you can get the latest news and discuss anything archives. If you have not joined yet, head over to utina.com Discord and click the Join Now button. And I've got this 
No, normally Jose does this bit. I know you were doing so um, good. Anyway, I know. I'm at David Toll on Twitter. Jose, where are you? I am at DJOXI, T-H-E-J-O-X-I-I-I. What about you, uh, Patty? Are you on Twitter or any socials that people can find you? I am on Twitter, definitely. Um, it's at Tristan, T-R-E-I-S-T-A-N. But you can also find my author website at buybirthright.com. Fantastic. And definitely go pick up Forging a Nightmare right now on your favorite bookstore. And, also and I'm going help... to the Discord. I'm going to hang out on the Discord. Yeah. It's all, there's there's a <laughs> yes. lot of channels in there. So you can always find your niche within the whole Utini world in there. Um, so thank you, Patty, so much for coming. Thank you um, to our listeners. Thanks for people supporting us through, through either Patreon or subscriptions or getting some of our merch. If you'd like to help us out as well, go get your Star Wars-inspired merch on utini.com slash merch. Also, go to patreon.com slash utini, and when you become a member, not only will you get access to all of our episodes in advance at this point. I mean, we've said it now a couple of times, but it's only just that you get it one week in advance or two weeks in advance because we go every other week. Anyways, um, but you also get a lot of other utini member exclusives. So, again, Trev, thanks. Thank you for setting this up. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Patty. Amazing, amazing guest today. Thank you, Patreons, for supporting us, making this show possible. And thank you to our listeners for continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say radio out. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.